Thank you, Ronnie. I'd like to take a moment just to thank the program chair, Rita, for uh, allowing me the privilege to chair the meeting tonight. And uh, Brandon, happy birthday. And now it's, uh, you know, introduces and introduce and speak and speak. But uh, I will say that back, I think it's 2018 is the first time I met Tyler at, at Erickson's book study. And they've said you've surrendered and unsurrendered and surrendered, but you stayed. And I, I had to leave, and I came back. And what I've seen is the last book study I was at, you were still there. And you're, the different per you're a different man than you were that first year I saw you. Mm -hmm. uh, I know he, he sticks his hand out to help somebody else. So with that, I, I give you a title. A scholar. Oh, Skylar Bell. I'm an alcoholic. And my sobriety date is 11-30-17. And I'm truly grateful for that. God has been good to me. I don't deserve it. I promise you. <laughs> um, yeah, thank y'all for having me here. Uh, two years. You know, one year is a miracle. But if you make two years, man, uh, you got a good start, you know. Um, it seems like two years was... It's really hard for people to get, but if you can get that two years, um, the hope starts to rise even greater, you know? Um, Tulsa has always had a, uh, will always have a special, I always have a special place for Tulsa because I was on my way out of AA about four and a half months sober, came to Dave's book study in Tulsa, said, I am nothing like you people. I'm not even an alcoholic. And uh, and then I sat down for the doctor's opinion and heard how everybody broke it down. And I said, yeah, I'm sick as I, <laughs> I'm pretty sick. Uh, I, need to, I need to get the sponsor and get serious. And it has, <laughs> it has done for me uh, the miraculous, you know. So I'll just start off by what it was like tell you what it was like, what happened, and what, it, what it's like now. So, I grew up in Denison, Texas, and uh, I had a single mom, two little brothers. I grew up in a neighborhood um, with full, of, I mean, it was full of kids. We played football, basketball, baseball, rode bikes, got in trouble together, grew a pretty tight little brotherhood going. Um, I loved my childhood. My mom, she was single, like I said. She had a she had a drinking problem, but it wasn't an everyday thing. It was like a Friday to set Friday night to Saturday night. She wind down on Sundays, so you know, um, she she did the best she could. She provided for us. Like uh, I was never like she protected us. Like never had an unhealthy environment around us. Um, I remember I had anger issues when I was young. She would have us a babysitter, but wouldn't come home from the bar. And, you know, I had all that fear as a kid, and it turned into anger. So I remember those things. I remember being real angry about that. Um, in school early on, I would always get in trouble. Um, you know, I would try and be the class clown, try to get the attention. And, uh, and just, I just know... Um, I had issues as a young, behavior issues as a young kid, and uh, 
But my mom was great. You know, she tried beating right into me. You know, my mom, you know, uh, my mom's really my hero. But um, so as we go through, um, my first drink looked like this. Um, I was, it was my eighth grade summer. <laughs> my my uh, best friend I grew up with, his parents got us two Bud Ice 40s apiece. And I remember whenever I started chugging the first one, this stuff is really bad. And then when it got down to the end, it was warm. And I was like, man, this stuff is disgusting. But the second one wasn't so bad. But I don't remember the end of the second one. <laughs> and I remember throwing my guts up in that bathroom, like doing backflips, like just got deathly sick from it. Uh, that next morning we woke up, they were all laughing at me, and uh, his mom was cooking eggs, and it was the worst smelling eggs in my life. So you know that drinking experience should have been, um, I'm never doing that again. But for some weird reason, I couldn't wait to do it again, you know? And so that's what it turned out. Sports started to be not so important. I started hanging out with the party friends. Uh, I absolutely loved it in some party. You know, I loved it. It was people you grew up with. You're getting uh, have a whole block party, and you're just having the time of your life getting drunk, uh, growing those bonds, getting into uh, trouble together, uh, just those brother bonds. You know, I, I truly loved everything about it, and so, but. So at a young age, I started drinking uh, pretty hard in high school. And, you know, I want to party by all means. And the way we do that is um, sometimes mama don't give you money, so you got to find out how to get the money. So me and a group of my friends would break into houses, break into cars, and that was how we would get our party money. And, well, um, we got away from away with it for a time. But... Um, uh, <coughs> Let's back up. So I got in trouble at Denison High School. My mom pulled me out and took me to a little school thinking that would be the answer. That wasn't the answer. Then she took me to a Christian school and put me to Christian school. And that was cool because I got centered in sports again. I actually liked it. I liked hearing about God, I remember. I, li I did like hearing about God. But I couldn't wait till the weekend so I could shoot down Denison and hang out with my friends because that's what I love to do. I would know when I would hang out with them church kids on a Friday night, I was miserable. I wanted to be with my friends. And I didn't feel like playing video games or playing basketball. I wanted to go hang out with them. But, um, so, um, so, um, I, said, I was doing that, and then I get in my first bit of trouble. This is what happened. So, um, it was my senior year. Uh, me and my, me and my, one of my childhood friends, we, on 420, on 420 for that marijuana maintenance people, uh, we, we, we got a couple 30 packs and we, um, just went on terrorizing the town. We, uh, went to spray paint things, um, we knew about this house, we knew about these house that these people moved to Florida because we were there the weekend before. So we go back to this house and uh, it's completely empty except this really nice car in the garage. And, um, and so um, 
we said, man, let's take the, let's see if we can find the keys to this car. So we searched and we found the keys to the car. So we're like, all right, so uh, what are we going to do with this car? I remember we were driving it around and we are like, let's just go push it in the lake. we got to get rid of it. And so we pushed it in the lake and only half the car went in the lake. And so my friend tried getting in it to back it out, but it was already wet. So he got his pants wet and uh, the motor wouldn't start again. So um, we go back to the house, we go searching, and in this house, it was an empty house, but for some reason in one of these closets in this house, it was filled up with wine to the roof. It, I remember it took like three or four carloads to fill it. I, I, I had this... Uh, I had this little car, and uh, it took like three or four carloads to fill this car up with wine, take it to my friends, drop it off, and come and get another carload. You know, well, we got pulled over at like 4.30 in the morning, and they put us in the, they found a bunch of things in my car that they knew wasn't mine, and so they're like, we're going to take them in and interrogate them, and uh, so what happened was they gave us a burglar of habitation, and a bunch of misdemeanors, and so this is, they gave me five years of probation, and so, but this is the thing I wanted to take out of that. I've already had enough drinking experiences to know that uh, when I was in that holding cell, I was like, man, I got to quit drinking, because once I started, don't stop, and so I already had a good idea I got to stop drinking, that it's not getting good, and I, and I know this. But then I'm given a new chance at life. I'm given a new chance at life. And then um, I'm done hanging out with my friends. I'm going to get serious. I'm going to get a job. And then I met her. And so this is the answer. I'm going to grow up and be a man. Uh, I found, I found, she was golden. This, she was awesome. And, uh. You know, I didn't drink. We didn't drink for the first six months together, but the day came when we did. And she was innocent. She didn't, uh, her parents, she had a good family. But uh, she, could, she could be one of those ones that, yeah, she gets has a few and gets tipsy, but she's going to bed around 10 or 11, and I'm just now starting the party, and it's on, you know? And so... It started falling up. My lies started building up. I started lying to her. I started being verbally abusive to her. I started um, being very hateful and cutting her down. And I just remember that haunted me for a long time for the ways I would talk to her. But um, so um, I started. So she's already getting tired of me. Like we've been together for over a year now. And I'm running her through the mud. And then I start taking money out of her bank account. We're taking $20. I'm taking $20 out every day because me and my friend, we buy a half gallon of vodka and we buy a pack of cigarettes and a, and a mixer that will get you $20. We'll get all that. And so, and so, um, and we would go to my mom's house and play pool in her little, in her little um, barn thing behind her house. And so we would go over there and play pool together. And it was, it was a fun time with me and him. And we did this so many times to the day she came and confronted me about it and said that I ran. I never took more than $20 at a time. I don't really know how it added up so fast, but she said I took out $800 out of her account. She's done with me. And uh, she was. 
that was it. She was done with me. And also, by this time, probation, I've already felt like, I felt several UAs for probation. And so they were done with, they were, um, they sent me to my rehab. And when I go to this rehab, it's not because I want to go. I don't want to go to prison and I want to get her back, you know. And I remember when I entered this rehab, um, they had this relapse prevention plan. This relapse prevention plan looked like um, you stay away from these five people and hang out with these five people. Stay away from these five places. Go to uh, these are the five new places. You know that we had this plan, and so and it made sense. You know it really made sense. This plan, I'm going to do good now. Well. It, the very first day I got out, that plane went out too. Because I went, my brother picked me up and he brought me down and we were going to go play horseshoes at the lake. And I remember the very first day of playing horseshoes on the lake, I done accidentally drank too much and I'm throwing up. And it's like three o'clock in the afternoon and I think I'm going to die on this beach. It was a rough day. and uh, But I was back at it again, you know. I would um, always try to get her back, and, um, you know, I was eating up with it, uh, really, really mad that I messed that one up, and so, um, yeah, I just, things got, I got a lot of PIs at the time, Uh, I got a lot of PIs, and probation didn't know about any of those, but I couldn't hide the dirty UAs I kept popping for, so they sent me to my second rehab. And this second rehab, it was a long-term rehab. It was an eight-month to 24-month, six-month to 24-month rehab. You had to, um, it was inpatient. It was down in Houston, away from everybody I know. And um, it's strict, you know. Uh, You do community service. You got work phase program. You got to pay your way. And it was during 2008 when it was hard to get a job. And... uh, I liked it, though, because we could play sports in there. Um, They had a cognitive behavior approach in there. So I like this rehab because if you change the way you think, you're going to change the way you act, you know. And so these are my thinking errors, and I'm going to switch them for good thinking. I'm going to have good, productive thinking now, you know. And uh, and so I liked it there. I took it serious. um, I met. I, I got that brotherhood in that rehab. I remember we we bonded with some guys, but you know what? I started doing that. So if you get caught off property, it's like a you get a two years state jail on top of your TDC sentence. So the consequences are there. Like the consequences are saying you wouldn't dare risk leaving that place. Well, that didn't stop me. Me and my buddy. We would have to sneak out. We would have to run the right, uh, um, down the side of the building, cut the corner, and run down the fence line and run into the woods. And once you hit the woods, it would be a lot of woods before you popped out in this neighborhood. And this neighborhood is wide open. So you're like, man, anybody can come anytime. You know, you just know the heat's on. And so we would go to this gas station, buy a 12-pack apiece, go to the woods, drink as many as we could because our time was limited and we could only drink about half of it. And we would get back into the rehab with this pretty good buzz going and couldn't wait to do it again. Well, we did this about three weekends in a row and then the heat got on so bad they interrogated us and they couldn't prove it, but enough people. So 
I was like, I'm done doing that. And I was. But then this thing called K2, synthetic marijuana, came out. I was working at Outback Steakhouse. And this synthetic marijuana was the answer because I could smoke and take a UA and pass. And it was just like, it was actually called Serenity at this place. And it was serene, you know, it was good. <laughs> and, um, but, um, so I did that. And I, well, I'll tell you, the very first time I did it, I had to go in there and wait on the table. And I remember right after I smoked it, I go in there, I approached the table, but I forgot everything I was going to say to him. And I just looked at him like I was stupid. And <laughs> so I already had a bad experience, but I'll figure that stuff out because I get to change the way I want to feel now. You know what I mean? I found the answer. Well, I ended up getting caught in that rehab. Uh, well, I got told on. So um, what happened was they wasn't sure what, what K2 was at the time. So it was new, and they were like, listen, we ought to send you back, but um, if your mom can come up with $3,000 to pay for you to get out of here, and you write a speech to the community why K2's bad, then we'll let you go home. And so Mama bailed me out. She came up with $3,000, and, and they let me go, and I gave a speech to the community why K2 was bad. Don't do K2. <laughs> and... <laughs> And uh, so, so I got out, and my mom set me up nice. She put me in the house. She uh, got me another vehicle. By this time, this is already like my fifth or sixth vehicle to have. Um, but I'm coming out with a new chance of life. You know, I just almost lost my freedom. This close, but God, thank you. You saved me again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna straighten up and get right. But that didn't happen. So I went back to drinking and partying with my friends. And the day came whenever uh, one of them PIs I got caught up with me. And my probation said, hey, we're revoking you. So uh, I just quit reporting. Went on the run. And they gave me three years TDC for that. And the whole time I had such this fear of I just do not want to go to prison, you know. I'll do anything in the world to keep from going to that place. Well, I went. And uh, I did a year and a half. I paroled out to a preacher man's house. So this is going to get pretty repet repetitive because I can't get out of this recycling door I've just opened for myself. Um, I live with this preacher man. We get involved in church. He... Um, He's got me going to Food Bank Monday, Church Wednesday, uh, another church on Thursday. Uh, Friday nights we would go to uh, football games. Saturday nights would be church again, and Sunday would be church. He's keeping me busy. He's determined to help me. And, it's, and I really enjoy doing the things I'm doing at the time. But uh, that lasted for about six weeks. And then um, I got... Uh, I get, oh, he got me a really good job with this tech company. Um, they gave me a company vehicle. Um, it was really my first real good job to ever encounter. <laughs> and because I've always worked at like detail shops and just anywhere I could get fast money. But um, so 
I messed that up fast. I, I think I worked for that guy for two weeks. I didn't even get my first check. And I lied and broke them, uh, broke that preacher man and his wife's heart. They opened their door up to me and I, and, uh, well, I'll just tell you what I did. I maxed out all their credit cards, uh, their gas cards anyways. I took their vehicle when they're not home and I had people at their house when they were out of town. So all of it came crashing down. They found out and, um, off to the streets. And so, um, that's just what it was. And then I go back and I do another year. Then I parole to my cousin. She helps me. I'm on an ankle monitor. Um, I end up, so this house started drinking there. I said, I'm not drinking. Uh, I took it serious. And then she said, uh, hey, this is like three months of doing good. I got my ankle monitor off. Three months of doing good. She said, hey, you want to go down to that um uh, it was like a it was like a barn they made drinks in. They make mixed drinks for you. It's like a drive through And I was like, yeah, let's do that. So she bought her a mixed drink, and I bought me a mixed drink. And I remember that that was probably not a good idea. Because once I start, I had the thought, but it just went away when we got in the car and left. It didn't care anymore. It's going to be different this time. You know? But we drank that together. And then I said, hey, cuz, let me borrow your keys. I want to go get some more. And she's like, no, you're not driving my car. I said, I haven't even finished it. And I manipulated her and gave me the keys, and I bought some more, and it was off to the races. My cousin kicked me out. I was in the streets of Amarillo for the next nine months. Mama came and rescued me. Then, uh, And then what happened was um, she, I moved back. And then I became the dumbest criminal of 2014. Uh, I was driving in Sherman. I seen a cop behind me. I pull into the courthouse. I get out. I walk to the lawyer's office just to walk around because I is um, I've had things on me. And so I go in the lawyer's office, and there was this lady in there, and I said, uh, ma'am, I would just like to set uh, an appointment to see about getting my record expunged. She said, okay, we'll set it for Monday. I said, okay, great. I walk over to the courthouse. Uh, I look at the directory because I want to see what it takes to set mobile homes to get certified in it because that's something I was doing at Amarillo. I walk in, see the bottom of the directory. It's the sheriff's office. I said, oh, man, I'm going to go visit my brother. I just got off parole. I've been off parole for six months. I shouldn't have nothing to worry about. I walk over to the sheriff's office. Um, I had paraphernalia in my pocket. I threw that in the trash. I had drugs in my sock. I said, should I throw these in the, in the bushes? No, I'm fine. I'm tripping. So I, I go to the visitation window, and I say, um, and there's a guy and his wife there, and they say, they said, man, it sure is glad being on this side of the glass. I get to go home to my wife every day. And I was like, heck yeah, that's cool, bro. And then uh, next thing you know, Skylar Bell, you have a warrant for your arrest, $120. I was like, how's that possible? Well, um, I caught three more felonies right then, and I go back. So that's what I did. I stayed off parole for six months. This is 14 years of doing this stuff, and um, it's just repetitive. You know, I just go back, and I go back. And um, so these are the things that happen in the end. This is what happens. So I remember this. Um, 
it was uh, second to last time before getting out. I was talking to my brother on the phone. He said, I was getting ready to come out of this ISF. And he said, hey, what are you going to do different this time? And uh, I took offense to it. I was like, you got to know this is years of doing this. So he had every right to ask me that. But I took offense. I said, what do you mean? I'm going to get out and I'm going to get a job and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Like, you're my little brother. Like, <laughs> why are you do-? like, but I got offended. <laughs> well, it's to say I got out and uh, did good for six weeks, three, and let, in two and a half months, I was right back in. And it hit me for the first time in uh, my life, this last time I was locked up, I was like, dang, I just can't get right. I'm just going to spend the rest of my life in this place. And it was really, I didn't understand it at the time, but it's really, it's like, this is what it is. Like, it, um, it was a form of hopelessness. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know it at the time. It was just really accepting I'm going to screw up and this is how my life's going to end. Because I'm 32, and this is what I've been doing since I'm 14. And um, I had no idea what God had in store for me, really. So I had a crossroad. I just went, because this is God, this is what God did for me. So I had a crossroad. Um, I came out, I was on an ankle monitor, and I didn't have nowhere to go. We've been looking for good halfway houses to go to, not these state-funded halfway houses in Texas, because they're, uh, they're pretty wild and... Uh, there's a, but anyways, so I don't have a good chance of getting sober in those. So, uh, my brother let me parole to his house for that day. I paroled to his house. I told parole, my brother's not going to let me stay here. Can I go live with my mom in Oklahoma? And my mom was right there. She said, you're not coming to live with me. (laughs) And, uh, And so I was like, I was like, um, I was like, all right, well, there was this girl I was with right before then, and she wanted me to come live with her, and I knew that wasn't going to end good. And I knew it. So we went home. My mom uh, just happened to run across this sober living house in Munster like that night, and uh, she calls me. Hey, she said, Hey, you want to check out this sober living house? And I was like, Man, I really don't want to, but let's do it, you know? And so we checked it out, and. Uh, it was something that I was, I was like, okay, this is cool. It had a brotherly vibe. It was an old man who ran the place. Uh, and I knew if I go this way, it's not going to end good. Why not try something? So this is what happened. Um, I'm there for like a week, and I heard how a man got 10 years of sobriety. He came and told a story on the podium. And for the first time in my life, I lit up to the word sobriety. That was the first time sobriety has ever became an option to me. You know, that was a, it was a powerful moment in my life, and I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a sponsor, and I'm going to work the 12 steps. Well, I found a guy who would, um, man, he sounded good, good in meetings. He sounded, man, he was just real intelligent when he spoke. And But I asked him to work the 12 steps with me. I mean, if he would walk, work me through the 12 steps. And, man, this dude was goofy, came to find out. <laughs> he Step one, I had to write a whole page on who I thought God was. Step two, I don't even, we read in uh, 12 and 12. Step three, we did our little prayer, uh, said it word for word. Step four, it was just a real generic resentment list. 
Um, anyways, I did all this stuff he asked me to fearlessly. But I know when I came to the end of working those 12 steps, something wasn't right. I said, man, I feel like I've been at this sober living house four and a half months. And uh, I said, man, uh, this is sobriety. I'm really not into this thing. You know, um, there was Mike Erickson and a group of guys that were coming around a lot. And uh, I they would always, when are you going to come join us? When are you going to come join us? And I'd be like, man, I'm doing AA. What are you talking about? Like, I, I didn't understand what they were talking about. And so I came to this book study in Tulsa, and everybody's like, I felt uncomfortable there. I didn't like it. My, <laughs> which is crazy, is my first book study, and I wasn't in yet. I was on the fringes about to go back out, and Michael was my roommate, and he shared his, some of his story with me. I was like, dang, you know, I really related to him. And he was so serious in the mornings with God. He would uh, do his little thing in the mornings. He was on point. He's, you can tell he's been incarcerated. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I really like Michael. So that was my first bond I made. And then I told you on that um, next set, I mean, on that following Saturday morning, we broke down Dark's opinion. I heard people break it down, and I said, Yeah, I'm an alcoholic. And I asked uh, Mike to be my sponsor. He worked me through the 12 steps. We did it through the big book, and uh, it was a game changer. You know, we did a thorough four step. Um, uh, I love steps six and seven because. I've had behavior problems my whole life, and I and it was kind of like this. God, if you can save me from alcohol, you can save me from myself too, you know. And uh, that those are two powerful steps because He did that for me. I'm not destroying relationships today. I'm not flying off the handle. I do have my moments, but God keeps me safe. Uh, but then uh, when we got to the men's, I had a lot of. Uh, when we got to the men's, I was trying to get out of the brother's house and get my vehicle. And I was telling Mike, man, I'm saving up for this truck. But there's more to it. But uh, so he said, uh, well, who are you going to do? Are you going to trust God or are you going to do things yourself? And I said, all right, let's do these amends. And so I did these amends and, and the truck just fell in my lap. And uh, and it was a pretty awesome deal. Um there's a lot of things that happened when I was at that uh, brother's house. Um, uh, first, I, I lived there for like 10 months, and a guy asked me, he said, uh, I moved out of there into with another guy in recovery, and I lived with him for one year. And uh, just learning how to live outside of a controlled environment was, uh, it was pretty important for me to do. Um, I learned how to pay my bills. I learned how to. I learned how to uh, keep a job. My sponsor says, "Hey, you keep this job for one year. I don't care how bad it is." And I worked at a hellhole. It was. Uh, it was a uh, man. I had this dude. He would scream at me, and then I would be feeling like I'm about to walk out of this place. And five minutes later, he would come by and wink at me, and telling me I'm doing a great job. And he would. And, and he would have my emotions so extreme. <laughs> And so um, I ended up staying there a year and a half, and I gave him my two weeks' notice when this next door opened, and I involved Mike with it. And uh, so 
uh, I actually did that the right way. I learned how to do things the right way, and by doing that, um, God God has matured me through that process. You know, I'm far. I still don't think I'm mature because I'm not. Uh, I'm still a work in progress, but um, so by doing this process. I got a pretty good life, and so what it's like now. What it's like today is, um, man, I got a good life. I just got my electrical license. I just got my electrical license earlier this year. Um, God pulled me through that. I'll tell you how. Because if I would have missed two more questions on that, then I would have failed. I would have failed the test, and there was eighty-five questions on the test. And I was on question 60, and the words were mixing up to me. And I was like, man. But I toughened it out. I got to question 80. I was like, man, I'm about to just do C, 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 C. And I was like, <laughs> I was like no, you've gotten this far. Just finish it. And so I just finished it, and I made a 72 if I would have missed, if I would have missed two more. So that's just... Um, Man, I, I'm involved in that sober living house. It's the brother's house, that place I found sobriety in. There's about 40 men. It got real, it got goofy. The, um, the man who was managing it, the manager of it, he, um, he ended up pocketing a bunch of money, and the board had to let him go. And so I found my opportunity to get in there, and now I'm on the board of the brother's house. So, uh, and, and the real, they like to hear what I got to say because I live there. So I got to say in there. And so that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I live like seven minutes away from it. I'm real involved. Like, uh, you know, the, this is the miracle of it. I've sucked the life out of everybody around me my whole life. That's what I do. Um, the only reason I have friends is because I can get something from you. You know, I've been selfish. My mom used to tell me, this world don't revolve around you. And I was like, what does that even mean? I couldn't comprehend why she would tell me that. Like, like I could not comprehend that simple thing. But then all of a sudden, I could see. I mean, I've been a selfish, sick dog my whole life, you know. And uh, so that is what, that's what's happened to me. I've had, a, I've had a, a spiritual awakening as the result of working these 12 steps. You know how I know I've had a spiritual awakening? Because it brings rich joy to my heart to see somebody catch fire and to grow and to work these 12 steps to see their life drastically change. That's where the fire gets inside of me, you know. Um, there's nothing better than it. Uh, this is, you know, I used to say that... Um, I'm gonna do this till I die, and I was talking about the streets, and I loved that. Sh I loved the street life, but man, that was such misery and bull crap. My head was in; I couldn't differentiate the true from the false. Like, you know, um, if there's one line in that book, it says "outright mental defective." That's me to the T. I promise. You. It's like I was seriously retarded, and God, and God did a miracle. You know. God did a miracle, and uh, it's the process that, hey, if I can do it, I mean, if Michael Detmer can sit here and sponsor the guys, anybody can do it. I promise you. I promise you. You know, God is good. Um, th this is what's happened. 
I don't miss a book study in Tulsa. I don't do it. I don't miss a book study at my sponsor's house. I don't do it. And because of that, because my sponsor, because I almost missed my first meeting when I was young in sobriety, I called Mike. I said, hey, Mike, is all right? I don't come tonight because there's a Cowboys guy I'm going to go watch with my brother. And he said, why don't you uh, go get drunk and die? <laughs> I better go to that meeting then. And I went to that meeting and I understood the importance of commitment. I don't miss my committed meetings for nothing. And and I need all the help I can get. And by not missing committed meetings, that uh, that is essential for sobriety. Because if you can see all around you, sobriety is very fragile. And that's why... Um, Seeing you have two years is amazing, Brandon, because I've been seeing you for the last couple of years. And um, really, uh, yeah, so by these coming, y'all have become my family. I love y'all dearly. And every time I see y'all, this love grows richer and richer. And thank you for having me.